0: Hello everyone, this is Trevor. Welcome to Tea Time Reports. And this is going to be our USFL Power Rankings 8.0. Week 7 just concluded in the USFL. It was an incredibly exciting weekend full of really gritty games, a lot of really good offensive and defensive play, and just some standout performances overall. Um, The scores, briefly, I'll go over and just tell you. Um, the Birmingham Stallions won over the New Orleans Breakers 24-20. The Birmingham Stallions moved to 5-2, and and the New Orleans Breakers moved to 4-3. and Moving to the second game on Saturday, which was the later game on FS1, the Philadelphia Stars win over the Pittsburgh Maulers in a really awesome fashion. This was one of my favorite games this year, if not the best game of the year. Um, the stars win 37 to 31. The Philadelphia Stars move to four and three, and the Pittsburgh Maulers, sadly, my club, my team that I love, um, fall to two and five. Let's hope they can win out and at least maintain a respectable season. Um, I don't think they'll be in the playoff contention spot unless something seriously weird happens. But shout out to that game, the players, the coaches. It was a beautiful display of what football should be. Um, defense, special teams, and offense were showcased in that game. Um, now, now speaking on day one, the, the better performances were obviously, um, I, I think the best team that played on Saturday was the Birmingham Stallions that are now 5-2. and two. Alex Magoo looks like MVP candidate number one to me. C.J. Marable with their running back, Uh, Group looks really good Zaquandre White when he's in Looks good but they also just signed Ricky Person Jr. Who had a touchdown They have an efficient um, Depth filled offense And when Alex Magoo is just out there making plays The way he typically always does um, He just looks like the Johnny Manziel Of this league Wearing number 2 for a reason um, And and I think he'll get a call up And I think he's in contention to be the um, MVP of this league and I'll just go over briefly, um, if I can find some some stats. The time of possession was uh, actually won by the Breakers with 32.5 minutes, and the Stallions only had 27.55 minutes. The Stallions had 11 total drives. The Breakers had 10 total plays. The Stallion only ran. The Stallions only ran 51 total plays. The Breakers won, ran 70. Total yards, 261 for the Stallions and 370 for the Breakers. Yards per play, 5.1 for the Stallions, 5.3 for the Breakers. Red zone touchdowns, 3 for the Stallions and 1 for the Breakers. Red zone attempts, 4 for each team. Passing yards was 151 for the Stallions, 261 for the Breakers. Completions, 16 for the Stallions, 24 for the Breakers. Alex Magoo was 16 of 23. 151 passing, um, and two passing touchdowns, and then he had a rushing touchdown as well. He is their leading rusher um, on the team as well. Um, he's just all out doing everything that he can. He's also the point score leading, uh, like he's he's the player with the most points scored. Um, so he's he's literally him. I think he has 102 points scored on the season, um, and the next person up to that is Mark Thompson who who should be closer now cuz he has 11 rushing touchdowns and since week 3 um fun fact about the gamblers they were up until today undefeated with Mark Thompson in the lineup um this year so the first loss they they were handed to with Mark Thompson in the lineup but moving on to the Philadelphia Stars and Pittsburgh Maulers numbers um just an all all around and even game um time of possession the Maulers won that with 31 minutes they both had the same amount of drives they both almost had the same amount of total plays ran the Stars won in complete total yards and as well as yards per play they were averaging 6.1 yards per play compared to Pittsburgh's 3.6 yards per play but their red zone touchdowns each team had three um, red zone attempts the Stars had four and the Maulers had three Total yards passing, Troy Williams had 111 um, with 18 completions out of 28. But um, Case Cook has just had a really nice day. 233 passing yards, 18 of 30, 7.8 yards per attempt with two passing touchdowns compared to Pittsburgh's one passing touchdown. Rushing, they were pretty equal. Pittsburgh had 91 yards rushing compared to um, to Philadelphia's 114 They both ran, uh, had almost 25, actually the Stars had 26 rush attempts compared to the Mahlers, 23 yards per rush is around that 4.4, 4.0 mark, but each team had two rushing touchdowns. Each team had two turnovers, one fumble lost and an interception each. It was a really jam-packed, fun game with excitement on every phase of the ball, Um, but the Stars pulled out and won towards the end of the game. It was very close. The Maulers came to play, and they did not disappoint, at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. A very fun game to watch. A little late. It started at 9, but just a fun game. One of my favorite of the year. In fact, of the past, since the revival of the USFL, that might be my favorite game I've seen. Um, Moving on to the third game of the weekend, which was the first game on Sunday, which was today when I'm recording this. Um, the Houston Gamblers t- took on the Memphis Showboats at Simone's Bank Liberty Stadium in Memphis, Tennessee. There was a great crowd for the Showboats there. They were chanting, and they got hyped, they got involved, and you felt that energy there. But the Gamblers wound up falling to the Memphis Showboats 23-20, to um, and both teams are now 4-3. and So the Southern Division gets even more interesting. The Showboats genuinely came to play, but they both did. Um the showboats were shooting themselves in the foot a little bit with penalties and some turnovers here and there. The first play of the game Cole Kelly threw a pick, but since that pick he, you know, he played it safe and did what he had to do. Pretty much neck and neck on time of possession. Both had 12 total drives. Um nearly the same amount of plays for each squad. Total yards about a 20-yard difference. The showboats had 266 total yards compared to the Houston Gamblers 244. Yards per play was both both were less than five point yard 5.0 yards per play. Red zone touchdowns: the gamblers had two compared to the uh, Memphis Showboats one. Red zone attempts: the gamblers had four compared to the Showboats three. Um, total passing yards: the gamblers had one hundred and eighty, and the Memphis Showboats had one hundred and forty. Um, yards per attempt: the Showboats had five point eight compared to the gamblers four point six. Passing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns for the quarterback of the Memphis Showboats, Cole Kelly, who has just been outstanding. He's been, uh, I believe, 3-1 and since he took the starting role. Um, The Gamblers did not have a passing touchdown in this game. They had two rushing touchdowns, thanks to Mark Thompson, who has just been stellar. Um, I believe he has 11 rushing touchdowns since Week 3. He's been outstanding and a player to look out for. 6'2", 230 pounds, a very powerful runner, a fun guy to watch. Um, Vinny Papali had a great game, really sure-handed receiver, knows his job and his duty. Um, Houston Gamblers also had some some nice plays by Justin Hall, as usual. Um, Ratliff Williams on the outside, Isaiah Zuber was doing his thing. It was a fun game to watch. And then the last game at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium on Sunday night, which... The game just ended was between the Michigan Panthers and the New Jersey Generals. The Michigan Panthers were on a four game losing streak until tonight. They just beat the New Jersey Generals 25 to 22, and they rise to three and four, and the Generals fall to two and five. New Jersey needs to really think about having a dedicated quarterback, um, not doing the two quarterback setup where you have the running quarterback and then the thrower. They really should have thought about a better recipe. Um, earlier on in the season because they're just, they've are just they lost five games. I just don't know if they're going to be able to pull it out, but we'll have to see. If Michigan loses again, that division becomes more interesting. But as of right now, it looks like Philadelphia and Michigan are going to be going into the playoffs in the second USFL season. But the stats for this game, um, same pretty much the same amount of time of possession, 11 total drives for each team. Michigan ran almost 20 more plays, Almost had a. They actually did have over 120 more yards total than the New Jersey Generals. Um, they had 373 total yards compared to 258 on the general side. Yards per play: 6.1 for the Panthers, 5.5 for the Generals. Red zone touchdowns: one for the Panthers and two for the Generals. Uh, red zone attempts: three for the Panthers and two for the Generals. Passing yards: Josh Love had his. Best game since week one. He had 279 passing yards. He was 17 of 30 with three passing touchdowns. And then I'd also like to shout out to Kyle Laletta, who led a really, really fun performance. Um, even in a loss, he looked per, like really good. 18 of 30. Some of those numbers are towards DeAndre Johnson, but he had, I think, over 175 passing yards, but he did have three passing touchdowns with yards per attempt at 66 and 9.3 for Josh Love on the Panthers. So, really good quarterback play this um, this weekend. Um, Josh Love really did revive his season with uh, a clean sheet, no picks, three touchdowns. Um, him and Cole Hicatini were really developing that chemistry, as well as Joe Walker with a really nice all-effort touchdown run. Um, I, they looked good. Um, they looked really good, actually. It was a gritty game against a good defense, so... I, I thought that they performed well. I thought every team performed really well this past weekend, and week seven is definitely one for the books. If you guys aren't checking out uh, Twitter or Instagram, please do at Tea Time Reports. Uh, we're very caught up on the USFL, um, XFL notations, as well as, you know, if you check out the Instagram, you'll see a lot of soccer stuff and some power slap stuff. So make sure you guys follow us and get more interactive with us on there. So you can stay up to date with some of the sports and uh, leagues that we're following and covering so you can be more in tune to the conversation. But right now I'm going to give you the power rankings starting from number 8. I think it's quite clear number 8 is probably going to have to be the New Jersey Generals. They're 2-5. and They scored 22 points in their loss. Um, They just don't look as good as they did last year and I'm so shocked I'm putting them at 8. But it's just how it is. And I'm going to put Pittsburgh Maulers. They scored 31 points in their loss, but they're also 2-5. But they looked more impressive in their loss, in my opinion. Um, they're going to be at that seven spot. And at the 6th spot, I'm going to go ahead and put the um, Michigan Panthers. Because they're 3-4. and four. They did score 25 in their win, which is impressive. But I need to see more consistency. If they can win at home in their last home game of the year, um, I think that'll be incredibly important for them to be able to do that and they're undefeated during away games so and next week they play in Birmingham so maybe they can upset the uh, Birmingham Stallions but they, they're going to need to to be able to stay alive in that number two spot in their division but I got the Michigan Panthers in that sixth spot and then in that five spot I got the New Orleans Breakers they're, they've lost three in a row they're four and three they've scored 40 points in three weeks they just don't look put together they look like they're slowing down and trending in the wrong direction. Um, mccloy Bethel Thompson just really doesn't take shots down the field, and when he does, he just throws an interception or it's incomplete. Um, I'd like to see them maybe make a quarterback change to save their season and and potentially go seven and three, maybe try and win out. But I just don't think McLeod Bethel Thompson or McCloy, Bethel Thompson, excuse me, is the answer for that team. He just has a limitation to his game. So I'm gonna put them in that five spot, and then in that fourth spot, I'm gonna go ahead and put the Houston Gamblers. They they did lose today to the Memphis Showboats. I think that they are in that fourth spot. They're gonna be that number two team in that Southern Division um, going into the playoffs. I think that's what's most likely gonna happen. Um, but Memphis Showboats, they've won four in a row. They look good. They look put together. They just beat the Houston Gamblers. They stopped their win streak. So, you know, maybe maybe the Houston Gamblers um, are going to have a little bit of a competition with the Showboats, because the one of these teams is going to have to win out, because I will say the Birmingham Stallions have a game on their entire division, so um, no team can afford a loss, but losing again is crucially um, going to fuck you, and if you're one of these clubs with three losses, or even four, um, you can't afford to lose another game by any fucking means, so... I'm going to put the Gamblers at that fourth spot, and then the Memphis Showboats at that three spot, um, because they've won four in a row. Cole Kelly looks like a sound leader. Uh, Vinny Papali, their wide receiver, looks like that guy. They have Derek Dillon, who's just been potentially an MVP guy, Uh, definitely a special teams player of the year, potentially, but he definitely deserves a call-up for sure. Um... So at 8 I have, I'm just going to recap real fast, at 8 I have the Generals, at 7 I have the Maulers, at 6 I have the Panthers, at 5 I have the Breakers, at 4 I have the Houston Gamblers, at 3 I have the Memphis Showboats, at 2 I have the Michigan, uh, excuse me, I have the Philadelphia Stars, they're 4-3, and they're the best team in the North, they won convincingly 37 points, that's impressive. That moves you up on my board, um, and and just you gotta look at the pattern from season one. They did this last year. They they started out rocky and rough, but they were able to come into rhythm. And Case Cook has found his rhythm, and he was able to win games. So if they're able to win out here, um, you know the Northern Division looks a little easy. So they have the opportunity to maybe rest some of their starters in the tenth week and get ready for that semifinal-slash-playoff game and and surprise whatever team is going to be there again. But honestly, it won't be a surprise this year because they are the top dogs of the North. Um, with Michigan winning um, this evening, it, it does put things into perspective because their offense did look good. They had three passing touchdowns. Reggie Corbin was heating up in the rushing game. Uh, Josh Love looked poised. You know, And, and if that's going to be them... You know, I'm going to maybe be a little scared for the Stars in the playoffs, but as of right now, I think the Stars can beat any team in the North. It's a gritty division, but um, there is a hierarchy for sure in the North, but in the South, it's more of a, the Stallions are number one for sure right now, but number two is a toss-up between the Gamblers, the Showboats, and the Breakers. So it's a little bit of a tougher um, division to predict since all three of those last teams I just named are four and three in the Southern Division. So just definitely something to think about. And then obviously number one is going to be the Stallions on my power rankings. They're just, they're five and two. They've been stout. They've been consistent. They have an MVP uh, candidate in Alex Magoo, who has been outstanding. He's a playmaker. He has versatility. He has the arm strength. He has the football IQ. He has the football awareness. He's smart with his body. He's tough though. You know, he's been battling through little injuries here and there, little knickknacks in game, and he comes out and wins. Um, And I think that he is the MVP as of right now. He has 13 passing touchdowns, and he's the leading rusher on their team. He scored 102 points so far this season, and it's not even Week 8. I think he is for sure him. I'd like to also shout out Isaiah Henney and Josh Simmons both leading in their own respective way. Josh Simmons for the um, Pittsburgh Maulers kick returner, 682 total yards, kick returning yards. And then Isaiah Henney leading in punt return yards with 252 on the season. Kicking points is now being led by Louis Aguilar on Philadelphia with 65 points. And then the major offensive uh, passing, rushing, and receiving are still being led by McLeod Bethel-Thompson, West Hills, and Sage Surratt. McLeod Bethel-Thompson has 17, 1,791 passing yards as of right now. West Hills has 577 rushing yards as of right now. Sage Surratt has 475 receiving yards. And both, all three of those players play for New Orleans. Um, and then as well as rushing touchdowns, Mark Thompson is the leader with 11 Receiving touchdowns, Justin Hall for Houston has four, and he's leading that category. Interceptions is being led by Amani Dennis on the Philadelphia Stars. Sack leader is Breland Speaks for the Michigan Panthers. Reggie Corbin is leading in all-purpose yards with 820. Punt net average is being led by Colby Wadman on Birmingham with 39.3. Kickoff touchbacks is being led by Brandon Aubrey, the kicker for the Birmingham Stallions, with two touchbacks on the year. Uh, just some numbers and stats to think about. But my prediction for next week's games, which I will get that schedule up right now. Uh, week 8, Saturday, June 3rd, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Tom Benson Hall Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. The Houston Gamblers will be playing the Pittsburgh Maulers in a, in a gritty game. And I'm actually going to go ahead and choose the Pittsburgh Maulers with the upset here. The Gamblers' offense has been stuttering. Kenji Bahar doesn't look 100% with his right ankle. I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Maulers because they do have the best defense, and that's going to be a 25 to 17 game. Pittsburgh Maulers. I'm going to take that. Same day on June 3rd, Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC and Peacock. The Philadelphia Stars take on the Birmingham Stallions in a rematch at Protective Stadium in Birmingham, Alabama. These two teams haven't played each other since the championship game of last year, so that's going to be a very fun game. I'm going to take the Birmingham Stallions. In a 25 to actually no, excuse me, in a 32 to 28 contest, it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, but moving forward to June 4th, Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Memphis Showboats are going to be playing the New Jersey Generals at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. I'm going to take the Memphis Showboats here, um, 24 to 14 over the New Jersey Generals because I just think they're more consistent on offense and they just have more playmakers um at the wide receiver position as well as on that defensive spot they're they're leading in turnover differential on defense i think they're legitimate contenders if they make the playoffs to upset the stallions in the south and and potentially go and win the championship for memphis i mean that would be sick um but yeah i'm going to take the memphis showboats uh yeah 24 to 14 or 28 to 17 um, I think it'll be a good game, but I think Memphis will just go ahead and pull pull this one out. They have the better defense and the more um, flexible offense, in my opinion. And then the final game of Week 8 on Sunday, June 4th, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fox. Both of these Sunday games will be on Fox, by the way. And this second game will be between the Michigan Panthers and New Orleans Breakers at Protective Stadium in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I'm going to take the Michigan Panthers here. I think that... They are the team that is going to kind of go on a little hot streak here. Upset the Breakers. I actually predicted a cu- uh, last week that the Breakers won't win another game this year. I think they'll go 4-6 and six and be a very disappointing team, even though they're padding numbers. But I think the Michigan Panthers need to win this game, and they've been undefeated on the road so far this year, so I don't see why they can't win this game in Alabama and uh secure a w and go 500 go four and four and then build off that win and then you got to win the next game and the next one you know if they can win out then they can secure a spot in the playoffs and i think that's what they'll do i'm gonna take the michigan panthers 20 to 13 i think that's a that's a relatively realistic number and a a good score there so definitely take the under in that game i think it's going to be a gritty defensive contest Breland speaks might go crazy um as well as uh, Isaiah Shad on the New Orleans Breakers defensive line, who's a really good player, uh, and Railford and Bonte Diggs. I mean, there's so many guys you want to shout out and give their uh, props to Neil Clark, Neville Clark, excuse me, and um, Gerard Fernandez, Gerard um, Scott, tight end for the New Orleans Breakers. So many guys I wish I could just talk about for an hour, but um, they deserve their praise, and they've been putting out their own tape and their own respective way. And you know what? I can't wait to see how many more guys this season get signed to the NFL because after season one, there was 51 or 52 USFL players signed. I believe it was 51 um, after the first inaugural USFL season. So that leaves a lot of opportunity out there for so many of these players now that have been in this system, that have been able to stay in shape and show off their skills. And I think it's really important for the league as well as just football. So this, this past weekend was just so fun. My player of the week, um, I'm actually going to go ahead and go on Twitter right now and see who we can vote for. Um, defensive player of the week's, the, no, uh, the nominations were defensive tackle for the Philadelphia Stars, LeBrian Ray, with four solo tackles, two sacks, and three tackles for loss. Linebacker for the New Jersey Generals, Mike Bell, eight total tackles and one forced fumble. Linebacker Quinton Pauling for the Birmingham Stallions with 11 total tackles, two sacks, and three tackles for loss. And then defensive tackle for the Memphis Showboats, John Atkins, four tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and five pass five pass deflections. I'm definitely voting for defensive tackle John Atkins. He had a stellar performance Um, and then moving on to the special teams player of the week uh, nominations, kicker Matt Coughlin, who went four for four with a 55 yard long, um, the kicker for the New Orleans Breakers, kick returner, Josh Simmons, seven returns, 233 yards, 88 yard touchdown, uh, punter Brock Miller, six punts, 52.2 yards punt, um, was the average, and then, He had a punt of 78 yards long. Wow. And then kicker, and he's the punter for the New Jersey Generals. And then the kicker, Alex Kessman. Um, Three for three, 11 total points for the Showboats. I'm going to go with kick returner Josh Simmons because he had an insane game today. Um, Or last night, excuse me. And then offensive player of the week is between running back for the Philadelphia Stars, Matt Colburn. 22 touches, 95 total yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Running back C.J. Marable for the Birmingham Stallions, 23 touches, 138 yards. Quarterback Josh Love for the Michigan Panthers, 16 of 29, 264, and three touchdowns. Wide receiver for the Memphis Showboats, Derek Dillon, three touches, 83 yards, and one game-winning touchdown. I'm going to go... Oh my gosh, this is tough. This week is tough. I think it goes to CJ Maribel, but Derek Dillon did have that game winner. I'm going to go Derek Dillon. It looks like Josh Love is leading the votes there, but definitely make sure you guys are voting for the player of the weeks on the USFL Twitter page. And again, if you guys don't follow us on Instagram or Twitter, we are incredibly active on those platforms and we talk we we not only discuss news, post some of the sporting event um, pictures and videos that we go to, like we just went to the Rowdies game, which we'll have our Tampa Bay Rowdies recap episode up by Tuesday night. So stay tuned for that, um, and we have plenty of reviews and stuff coming out later this week. Um, we really appreciate everyone that's been tuning in and following the show, and and that has been maybe investing their time and their thoughts into some of the things we've been discussing, like the USFL, the XFL, or some of the shows or music uh, we re- recommend, and we hope that. This is an entertaining podcast for you to listen to and learn from. That's the goal. That's what we strive to do and try and bring legitimate facts and and just just the truth. I guess that's all we can really say. And I'd like to shout out to Brandon for going to the Rowdies game with us. We'll, we'll definitely talk about his first um, actual trip to a semi-pro slash pro soccer match um, and the Tampa Bay Rowdies and a successful 2-1 win over the Colorado Switchbacks we're 3 points away for being from being the first team in the east so keep your eyes up and your heads up if you're a Tampa Bay Rowdies fan and we'll have an entire episode coming very shortly about that um, as well as our USFL and chill episode that we'll release during the week as well and stay tuned for our Mission Impossible franchise review um and our you know maybe our predictions for what this new film is going to hold but we really appreciate everyone for you know, tuning in and showing this show support and love and, um, it's only going to grow and get better from here. So thank you very much for listening to this week's USFL Power Rankings episode. I really appreciate it. And I really hope you guys were able to see one of the USFL games this weekend. If you didn't, you missed a lot. It was a very exciting weekend of football. And to tell you the truth, this is what you want to see week in and week out. And we've been getting that with the USFL. It's been incredibly entertaining, really fun to watch. Great coaching in, in most of these games, especially this past weekend. You know, I, there there was there was tight games across the board. There's always going to be questionable play calling, but let me just say this: the, the the quality of play has improved severely in this league, and I just would like to shout that out. Um, from USFL season one to USFL season two, there's no natural hierarchy between the teams, so it's really cool to see the power struggles between each division, um, especially with the divisional uh, rivalries that are developing especially the Philadelphia and Pittsburgh Maulers teams. They do not like each other at all, but it's just so fun to watch, and I really hope you guys were able to catch a USFL game this weekend, this past weekend. But if you didn't, make sure you tune in this upcoming weekend. There's three more weeks of the regular season. Then we have the semifinal slash playoff game, and then we get the championship game. So make sure you guys are staying up to date and staying tuned in with the USFL, and hopefully I'm able to educate and bring knowledge Um, on that to you if you were unable to or if maybe you're just not interested maybe you just tuned into this for the first time and you know hello to all of our new listeners but uh, thank you guys very much for the support and the uh and just the love you know take care have a great rest of your day morning evening that's all that matters sending the love out from tampa bay take care